I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us. This is the COB from AusBiz, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business, finance, and startups. It is the 23rd of June. I'm Nadine Blaney. Who are you? I'm David Scott. Hey, Scotty. What a, what a day. So I'm just going to rewind to about 8 o'clock when we were doing our morning stand-up. And yeah, there was a few things around at that time, talking about the PMI we're expecting. Mm. Um, and then the market opened, and wow, it looked pretty strong, all things considered. And then... <laughs> and then uh, Peter Navarro spoke, is what happened. And then... Uh, spoke, he sure did. The, uh, the trade deal with the United States, it's definitely off, I believe was the, uh, the wording he used. I think he misspoke, we figured out. About half an hour later? Yeah, well, that was clarified by not only himself, but uh, Donald Trump, which resulted in an extremely fast recovery. But it was a bit gnarly there, and I thought it was instructive as to how quickly investors were willing to go and pull the other sell. But in, given, uh, given this news, it didn't come from Trump initially. It was quite an abrupt reaction. It says that maybe uh, investors are getting a little bit skittish about you know, the potential for more downside ahead. Yeah, we had a high for the... 200, the XJO, of 5999.2. So really knocking on the door of that 6,000 level. Fell to 5,882. And I mean, that happened in just the space of a couple of minutes. It's not all just um, investors, let's say, hitting the sell button. You've got to think that the algos have something to do with such violent moves in such a short period of time. Uh, Look, electronic trading is responsible for a lot of these what I would say a ridiculous moves, intraday moves. Uh, you see it time and again. You see when things come out like headlines that are just basic news and knowledge, but because it's in a headline and it's mm-hmm. being picked up by machines, they can't distinguish it. And I've seen it multiple times. People tell me about the how I know these electronic trading machines and platforms are very sophisticated. They learn. I know there's, uh, there's uh, ones out there that are self-learning. But uh, I think a lot of them are still designed just to go and pick up keywords. And when you've got a keyword that uh, I know suits the, uh, suits the case, up it goes. And I noticed today that there was uh, P- Jerome Powell's going to be speaking about uh, pandemic uh, fiscal relief on June 30. And that seemed to be the moment when that headline struck that everything went crazy at the start of the session. Everything was being bid up. Spoos were being bid up. The Aussie dollar was flying. It all happened around the same time as that one headline. Well, the, uh, the key words coming from the U.S. President Donald Trump, um, you know, really shortly after, maybe an hour after we saw that initial sell-off happening, was fully intact. So he's saying uh, the China deal is fully intact. Hopefully they will continue to live up to the terms of the agreement. You know that uh, this administration does not like to see 
bigger falls when it comes to equities. Exactly right. But I, I find that it's intact and it lives up to the end of the deal. Anyone who's paying attention to the commodity trade data knows that China is way behind the curve with this stuff. So they're not living up to the deal. It's one of those funny things where it's a, it's a trade one deal in principle, but it's actually not being adhered to. Obviously, there's been a pandemic in between, so that can be forgiven for the time being. But even before this happened, there were so many question marks about the ability for China to absorb the level of US imports that they were talking about. So I wonder about whether today's, it's definitely off uh, initial headlines, won't be replicated in some form of truthfulness in the uh, not too distant future. Yeah, well, there is a lot to come on the trade front, and we do know that. Um, suffice it to say, the local market did, uh, you know, did stage that recovery. We saw that happening around the region. The Nikkei ended about 0.5% higher, really being led by auto stocks there. But we spoke with Nathan Samasandram from Blue Ocean Equities, um, and he said, look, we've been talking about it for a while. You just need to get used to the fact that there will be more volatility. We could see days like this, um, you know, as we continue to move through this uh, this uncertain time. He says any bad news, anything out of left field and the market could fall between 15 or 20 percent very quickly. So if you'd like to listen to that interview with Nathan Samasundram, uh, you can do that and access it via the show notes. Uh, we had... Again, when we spoke at 8 o'clock, there wasn't a whole lot of company news out, but we had lots of it coming through throughout the morning. Um, Western Areas comes to mind. It was the best performer on the 200, up by about 17% after some pretty positive drilling results from an initial drill hole exactly. at its um, project in South Australia. Investors are quick to go and put a lot of faith in the discovery, so obviously we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. I think the, uh, the, the chief executive said that uh, no, potentially they'll get some more information about you know, how this ore body will potentially play out. Yeah, um, and uh, we also spoke with the Flexi Group CEO, Rebecca James, just a short time ago. That was the second best performing share on the 200. Uh, it finished up by about 9.5%, a milestone surpassing 2 million customers. I thought it was interesting that they're back in market spending on marketing because that, of course, was a real, real black hole when it came to the depths of the COVID crisis. I mean, nobody was spending money. Well, it seems that these uh, buy now, pay later and payments providers in general uh, are doing well out of this uh, pandemic. Obviously, it's uh, not just Flexi Group that's reporting an increase in customer growth. There's a lot across the board. Uh, so. Maybe they've got that a little bit of extra revenue to go and promote their services and, and take advantage and make sure what's happened recently becomes part of a longer lasting trend. Well, you might want to have first mover advantage, you know, gain that market share while mm. the going is good. And, um, you know, the Flexi Group share price has, you know, generally speaking, been a laggard in the buy now, pay later space. I mean, it's up exponentially um, in recent times, but, you know, I guess it doesn't have a lot of the, um, the flash of some of these newer players, and it's not um, really targeting the, uh, the North American market specifically. But if you listen to the interview, which you can access by the show notes, um, Rebecca James does talk about some of the expansion plans um, potentially for Flexi Group and where that could potentially take the company. Uh, that brings me perhaps to the stock of the day, Scuddy LTM, a further fall of about 2.5% on top of yesterday's fall. You called it, uh, what did you say? It's a serial downgrader, at least it has been mm. this year. Um, so Kashi and his guests talked about this one. Let's hear what Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool had to say about stock of the day, Altium. Overall, it's not cheap, I've got to say. It does have to do a lot of things right to be successful, and that's part of what saw it sell off yesterday. 
But overall, yeah, it, it, the track record is very good. The momentum of the business, sorry about the stock, the track record of the business is very, very good. Um, I like the company. I think it shows every sign of continuing to be successful. I think if you own it already, um, and we don't own it personally, but the Motley Fool does own some shares, there's no reason to, to do anything other than hang on for the ride. And I believe they'll, you know, anything can happen. Very, very good chance they get back on track and continue the same sort of track record and momentum as they've had so far. So uh, as Scott said, the PE, is, it, it's, it, you could argue it's expensive. It's on a PE of 60. Yeah. But <clears throat> having said that, it's um, with a 30% EPS growth, we're showing it returning if they can maintain that growth rate over yeah. the next five years. And I, I think there's a good chance they can. Yeah. You know, they're global market leaders in, uh, or a market leader in providing the, um, like a CAD system for uh, designing circuit boards. Right. Yeah. And they've got Boeing and, you know, all sorts of blue chip clients globally and they're growing in Asia and stuff as well. So it really is a quality uh, company. So that was Mark Moreland from Team Invest finishing those thoughts on Altium, which did see a number of price target cuts coming through and a downgrade by Ord Minette today. Um, Scotty, you've got to think that um, we will continue to hear more coming about the China trade debacle uh, from the administration. Lots of chatter will be about that through the overnight period. Also continuing about the economies reopening, COVID cases, etc. In your view today Mm. in the COB newsletter, you've sort of put it out there that you don't think people are going to be resuming, uh, you know, normal activity anytime soon. And it's kind of down to anecdotal evidence, which I got to say, I've seen a lot of as well. People just don't quite know how to act around each other right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's been instructive what's been going on in Australia, particularly Sydney, uh, touch wood. And that's the sound of touching wood. We've had a pretty good run when it comes to a uh, community spread of coronavirus. We seem to have it under control for the time being. Uh, yet behaviours I'm seeing everywhere around here in Sydney uh, are very, very different to what I experienced pre-COVID. Uh, one thing that really struck me, and anyone who's been on public transport in Sydney will know exactly what I'm talking about here, for people to willingly give up a seat because it would mean sitting next to someone would have been unheard of pre-COVID. And every single time that I've been in a bus or a train or a tram, whatever kind of form of transport it's been, people are avoiding each other. One way or another, they're avoiding each other. And the thing is also that you see what happened with the ABS survey last week. They asked people about how do you feel about being around in large crowds? How do you feel about being on public transport? Mm -hmm. And majority of Australians, and in some cases, a vast majority of Australians, do not want to be near or interacting with other people. And I cannot see that changing until we actually go and see a cure for the COVID-19 or at least a very effective treatment. Well, we get some more insight into how we're all feeling about COVID-19. We get some new data to highlight the COVID-19 effect with the preliminary mortality read for the March quarter. We also tomorrow get skilled vacancies out for May. Uh, They fell 16.4% in trend terms in April. So again, uh, some further insights into COVID-19. If I had a dollar for every time I said that in a day. Mm, It'd be lagging data. So the, 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 the vacancy data in particular, um, we're getting much more timely information coming from the likes of Seek and other job sites. So uh, unfortunately for that release, it's not quite redundant, but uh, the, the amount of information it's giving you at the moment has been superseded almost immediately by other releases. Okay, so we've got a great, um, yeah, great lineup of guests for you tomorrow. Mark Carver, Head of Equity Factors at MSCI, will be walking us through factor investing and uh, how that goes in the Australian equity market. 
We'll be speaking with um, Jane Golly, who's the director for Center for China in the World. So she'll be taking us through everything China. And we'll wrap the day with Ben Clark, who is from TMS Capital. Uh, Scotty, I'm looking forward to whatever tomorrow brings. Hump day. Wednesday is always a fantastic day. And I'm sure that um, all things being equal, we'll have another morning meeting where we'll say, gee, it's a quiet start, and there'll be another hectic <laughs> day. So let's bring it on again. Look forward to doing it all again tomorrow. Okay, see you then. 